1: Hi, I'm Hannah Brown, and welcome to Better Tomorrow. My absolute favorite thing to do is have a heart-to-heart talk with my new friends and my best friends, where we sit down and talk about all the things like relationships and love, faith, and self-care, and of course, the little things as well, like the struggle to figure out what to eat tonight. All in all, I really want to ask, how am I better today than yesterday and bring artists, entrepreneurs, and friends along on the journey? So join me on the journey, will you? Hey, friends, welcome back to Better Tomorrow with Hannah Brown. I am so excited about our guest today, Dr. Nicole LaPera. You may know her as the holistic psychologist on social media. And she's also the author of the number one New York Times bestselling book, How to Do the Work, and the recently released bestselling How to Meet Yourself workbook. She also created the hashtag self healers movement. And Nicole founded the Self Healer Circle, which is the first virtual self-guided healing membership where there's members in over a hundred countries joining together to heal in community. She also is the host of the weekly ad-free podcast, Self Healer Soundboard with over 5 million downloads. And today we are going to talk about her new book, How to Be the Love We Seek, Break Cycles, Find Peace, and Heal Your Relationships which is available on November 28th. And it's offering a healing roadmap for all generations of cycle breakers. Wow, you've done a lot and you're just out here helping us all do the work. So I wanna say thank you. Um, For me, I found you through the Holistic Psychiatrist on social media and began following you probably like two or three years ago. And you just have this amazing way Of relating to people and making sense of kind of what's going on in our heads and how we can move forward. How did you decide to start sharing your work online? Well,
0: thank you, um, Hannah, for having me on here. Thank you for your beautiful community for giving a listen. My decision actually to begin to share myself, my story, my journey, my insights, and more importantly, my path forward. Was really motivated by observations things i was learning about myself um, on my own healing journey i entered my 30s feeling really unfulfilled and disconnected uh, from the life that i had created for me it was just endless list of achievements you know things that i wanted to get done and as i neared the end of, of getting those things done and wasn't feeling as fulfilled as i imagined i wanted to be and was working with clients by that point for several years and wasn't seeing um, a ability for us to translate insights. I mean, people I would work with come in week after week, beautifully insightful people. We're continuing to struggle to translate those insights into action. So I think as many of us do, I, I dove into learning. I sought to understand why it was that we were struggling in the ways that we were. And what I had learned about myself at that time or began to really see more clearly was how so much of my condition patterning was disconnected um, from my true self, from what I was really thinking. I was watering down my thoughts and perspectives. I was so disconnected from my physical body and from my emotions, living away as I write about my first book, How to Do the Work, living on my spaceship um, for decades, which is, again, why I largely felt so unfulfilled and really wasn't being um, who it was that I truly was. So as I was watching social media be you know birthed in the way people were using it. And as I was starting to become more and more committed to creating a space for my authentic self-expression, especially coming from a field that so much taught me not to share the human side of my experience with the clients that I was working with, I made the commitment to create the Holistic Psychologist Instagram account and to begin to use that as a space to express myself more authentic, more authentically to begin to share the insights that I was having about myself and my own journey and the tools that I was beginning to create transformation. And doing so not only was so healing for me, I was gifted with the opportunity to hear from people quite literally from around the world near immediately. that were kind of shaking their head in resonance and saying, yes, Nicole, you're not alone. I'm struggling in the same ways. I'm on the same path to healing and for me, that not only relieved the shame that I think so many of us feel Mm. when we do secretly believe that we're struggling in, you know, dissimilar ways to everyone else, though, it gave me the opportunity to create incredibly authentic connections and community.
1: Yeah, it's, um, it makes me question, are most of us, before we do the work, actually feeling the same way you're feeling that disconnection? Would you say from what you've found working with other people?
0: I think the large majority of us um, in adulthood are feeling really uh, disconnected from ourselves, from our relationships, some of us from the entire world around us. And that really is an artifact um, of our early childhood experiences, of the lack of safety and consistent security that, you know, very few of us have had. And oftentimes, you know, raised by very well-intentioned caregivers who, if we just look back, you know, across generations of time who didn't have these conversations and this information. And so I've kind of been on this journey myself. Um,
1: I'm like, I'm using this. as like my own, please help me, Dr. Nicole. But I have realized um, through, I started doing therapy about two years ago, I would say, and really trying to do this deep work and kind of had that same realization of, you know, I've had all these great experiences in my life, but why, I feel like I dissociate a lot of times when I, when I even achieve these things. And that's been something I've been really, now I'm aware of it. And I'm aware of some of these patterns that I do to disconnect. And people ask me how I've achieve these certain things. And I'm like, wow, I I honestly don't know. I feel like I just, I focused in on that one thing and dissociated everything else around me. And that's how I, I go through. So I'm at least aware of this and accepting that, but it's like, how do you get to the other side? And I I'm in the place where it's like, it feels like it can get a little worse before it gets better, do you find that to get to be true? and what are where is the hope in the next step
0: after becoming aware because
1: co- becoming aware kind of it
0: kind of sucks oh, <laughs> right? one hundred percent I mean there's a reason an adaptive reason why we've dissociated or disconnected mm-hmm. because of the overwhelming feelings because of the things that many of us have learned to avoid. And Hannah, what you're beautifully describing is that cycle of stuckness that I was seeing in all of those beautifully insightful clients, right? All this awareness, yet I can't build that bridge into creating change, into, for sake of this conversation, which very much applied to my own past, becoming more connected. I can't stop dissociating. And for me, it took expanding my knowledge beyond the very powerful mind, right? Where all the insight and awareness and commitment to change and even new path forward like the new thing i'm going to do next time and really understanding that such a powerful influence on our ability to actually make new choices to become more connected as you and i are you know need it to do is based in our body's ability Mm. right creating safety and security in our nervous system where we can actually begin to turn our presence to the uncomfortable, overwhelming crappy feelings that we've been avoiding for so long so i'm really happy you've you've given language to this because i think when we make the commitment to heal right whether or not it's because our life imploded or exploded we've hit bottom or for whatever reason i think some of us do set up an expectation that okay things will just begin to feel better now and the reality especially if the awareness here's where the hope comes i will always break change down into two simplified steps becoming aware or conscious of what's going on now what are the habits and patterns that have created your current experience so for you and i dissociation disconnection that's what we're becoming aware of so not to shame ourselves our nervous system was operating beautifully there was a time in a space where we were completely overwhelmed with what was going on in our body. so disconnecting from it becoming hyper focused on the next thing to do or achieve was our safety. So we don't want to shame that beautiful conscious awareness. We want to celebrate the fact that I'm seeing clearly what has created my current circumstances so that I can then take that next step, which is begin to make new choices that, in my opinion, will need to be embodied choices or practices, ways I learn now to create safety in my body, to shift and focus my attention from this more hyper-focused on the next thing to do to a more grounded experience in my body in this moment, maybe some intentional ways that I can regulate through the power of breath, um, through the power of attention, right? Learning how to tune into what it is to be present. And then of course, I think the large majority of us, even as adults need to learn new ways to navigate or tolerate our stressful and our emotional experiences. Because if and when we don't, we're going to keep dissociating because that's the only way our body knows how to protect ourselves when the stress gets high when upset happens so it really is to build a bridge from insight into action it is about that daily choice those commitments we can make that need to include our body in the conversation so that we can become more connected and have the tools to tolerate all of the crap that we find once we're there
1: yeah I love how you break it down and make it seem not as overwhelming as as it can in times of like you give first of all the knowledge in your book, but what you also do in your book and in your teachings is the what you just said you know is the most important is the practice of embodying that. Because you can read books all day long. Look, I've read a lot of (laughs) self-help books, but sometimes it's, it's always that. And then what, so what do you offer as some steps for after we become aware to take, to take those next steps into action? What, what do you suggest for people and what do you kind of talk about in your books?
0: I just a to comment too, as a very, you know, voracious, big reader myself, I think sometimes this endless search for the next book mm-hmm. can actually be right. That function of protection. If I just yes. keep reading about the and I mean, let's be honest. Now we have so much new information, right? If I just find the next new information or the one thing I can avoid actually doing it,
1: avoid mm-hmm. actually
0: feeling whatever it is that I'm trying to avoid. So I often just like to call to light sometimes what on the surface looks right so healthy and adaptive i can make a case even for exercising right some of us push our bodies so past its limits because exercise quote unquote is healthy and in reality right that's just another form of that disconnection so becoming conscious um, really breaking it down means to first become aware of all of the different places your attention is in any given moment I'm lost in thoughts, whether it's about yesterday, tomorrow, whatever. I'm focused maybe on the external environment. Where's the next threat? What does someone else need? Or again, if you're like me, I'm kind of blank in mind. I'm just a million miles away, glazed over on my spaceship, as I call it. And
1: What like, if you have all those circling at one time? I <laughs> yeah. feel like sometimes so we, people ask me.
0: We celebrate like, and notice, yeah. and that's beautiful. I mean, the fact that you, and that is common,
1: all of those
0: are very different ways that we and our bodies have learned to protect, whether it's, again, even sometimes, you know, oh, well, I'm focused on my next achievement and all of the different to-do list things that I have to do. So I think I'm thinking adaptively, you know?
1: Well, that's when I feel for me, when I feel like I'm doing well is when I'm in a very, a. a a space or an experience where like you have to be just like in survival. Like that is when I feel
0: my most at peace. I appreciate you so honestly sharing that Hannah. And that's quite common. I mean, Mm -hmm. for me um, coming from a very chronically stressed out environment, I grew up in a city with loud noises outside of my home, within my home, there was a lot of health related issues. So a lot of high stress and You would have heard me well into my 30s proclaim that, oh, I'm a city girl. I need the noise. I need the stimulation. Meanwhile, I was locked and loaded on achievement after achievement. I couldn't get enough letters after my name, right? I was always doing something. So much like you, that was of resonance with me. That stress really mirrored the stress that I'd become familiar with or my Mm -hmm. body has become familiar with because our bodies are, are illogical in some senses, which our nervous system doesn't like change. While we can change and create incredible change, we don't like it. We like the familiarity of how we're used to feeling, what we're used to doing, what we're used to thinking. So even if logically you're like, I need a break. I'm like, I need a break. The city is loud, right? I just want a moment mm-hmm. of silence, which I even would say. I just want peace and quiet and like like security and calmness and throw my hippie peace sign up. Though in reality, any movement into that new space especially if we become locked in that survival driven go, 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 right? Endlessly distracted, endlessly stimulated, which feels like flow, that safety, that stopping, that stillness, even though logically it's what we want, maybe what we have been told that's healthy for us. We don't maybe even necessarily even want it, but it's, you know, a healthy thing to do. Our nervous system will register that as stress. Because within that unknown is uncertainty, is a possible threat that I'm not used to dealing with, that I haven't become habituated to. So very similar to you, I I kept myself busy in those moments of stillness. My mind would race, uh, reflecting the tension in my body, right? Because this is, again, when, when we begin to pay attention, right? Where are my thoughts? Okay, they're blank. They're racing. They're on the next thing to do. When we begin to refocus now on our body, so unhooking it from wherever it is else that you're paying attention to, and if you begin to tune into three main areas I can offer as a suggestion for our bodies our heart rate, right? Is it calm? Is it even? Is it racing out of my chest? Can I barely even feel it again because I'm a million miles away? What about my breath, right? Is it calm and even and deep from my belly? Or is it Am I heaving? Am I breathing so quickly? Or maybe I'm holding my breath. I'm not barely breathing at all, right? These are signs now of my body being in stress. Later, too, the quickness, the holding of breath, muscles. What are my muscles doing, right? Am I at ease? Could I get up if I want to? You know, have enough energy, or do I feel so my muscles so flaccid I couldn't possibly get off up off the couch? Am I completely shut down, or are my muscles so tense? I might be clenching. I mean, I was a huge jaw clencher. Some of us, you're in fist clenchers. My whole shoulders are up at my ears. So now, right when I'm tuning in those moments where I'm proclaiming, I want peace and quiet stillness, please. The reality of it is all the messages that my brain is getting from my body is how stressed out my body is. So of course, stillness isn't going to feel safe. Of course, my mind and my thoughts are going to mirror the stressful feelings in my body. I'm gonna race with what I need to do next. If there's someone near me, I might call to mind an issue that I haven't brought up or see a look on their face that now I wanna agitate my interpersonal relationship with to return to the familiarity of my stress cycle. Today's about looking for new ways
1: to better ourselves, but sometimes that means looking in a totally different place or even a different state. In South Dakota, travel is transformative. It's good for the soul. It's the kind of place to just let go, to escape from routine and predictability of life, to put down the phone and pick up a sense of adventure and to see the world a little bit differently, as in not through our screen, Life in South Dakota is about unplugging from it all and connecting with the world around you. It's about being open to real surprises and treating your senses to a real, raw, natural beauty that doesn't need a filter. Whether you're exploring the mountains and trees of the Black Hills, hiking through the Badlands, navigating the wild towns or camping under the stars, South Dakota is the place to get a little lost and find yourself along the way. See why there's so much South Dakota, so little time at TravelSouthDakota.com. There have been many times in my life where I really thought I could trust my gut, but I definitely shouldn't have. Definitely with a lot of those X's in the past, um, when it comes to that low fuel flashing light on my car. I just always think that it's not really serious. Trust me, it is. I've been on the side of the road way too many times. Probiotics can't help with most of your gut decisions. But if your gut needs a little support, ritual has your back ritual has made a three in one supplement with clinically studied prebiotics, probiotics and a postbiotic to support a balanced gut microbiome all in one minty capsule and no refrigeration needed. I love my Symbiotic Plus. I take it every day. It's it's great because it's got all the biotics in it um, for my probiotic. I feel like it's just really helping my gut in all the ways. And actually, Ritual even invested in a study modeling the human colon, which showed that Symbiotic Plus significantly increased the microbial diversity and the growth of beneficial bacteria we love that. We love when the thing's actually doing the work that we need it to for our gut. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash B. Start Ritual or add Symbiotic Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash Hannah B for 25% off. Peloton is here for everyone's yearly warm-up. This is the best time to get into a good rhythm, tap into your own power, and build towards summer you. Peloton accommodates your schedule with a variety of class lengths to choose from. Even if you only have five minutes, there's classes to get your body moving. Peloton has a range of class types to fit for every goal and mood. If you can't run, take a walking class, need some grounding, try yoga. If you want to level up, go to the Pilates or hit workouts. Move at your own pace. Peloton makes the process easier with personalized recommendations and guided programs that take the guesswork out of working out. So you can just jump right in, keeping your fitness journey fresh every day. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. I love Peloton. I feel like Peloton was what really helped me stay consistent um, with moving my body the past few years when sometimes... Um, whether it was a pandemic or an injury or health stuff going on that sometimes would limit the way that I would normally like routinely work out, that I was moving my body a little bit every day and also diversifying depending on what my needs were at the time. There was a lot of time where I couldn't have this super high intensity workout and just needed some help of how can I move my body with what I have right now? Maybe the limitations I have. I feel like Peloton just has something for everyone um, at any level and at any time in season in your life. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at onepeloton.com. What do you suggest for like those small ways? Is it just taking a few minutes to to try to learn how to breathe correctly, to, to learn how to scan, um, what do you suggest?
0: I first wanna emphasize first and foremost, if and when you're shaming yourself for what you notice mm-hmm. any listeners are like, oh my gosh, I'm a ball of tension, what's wrong with me? Right, give yourself self the gift and the opportunity to refocus that attention away from that shameful voice Right, understand, and this is why I always talk about this awareness piece before I talk about the action piece, because your body has beautifully adapted. It's doing exactly what it needed to do at one moment, and you're still living right in the byproduct of that. And having awareness is the only way you're going to give yourself that opportunity to begin to make these new choices. So it really truly is something worthy of celebration and not continued shaming especially because so many of us have that internal shaming voice Mm -hmm. we don't see that we're not where we want to be maybe we have been committed to this journey for quite some time and we're not feeling right the difference yet and that can just continue to fuel that voice so the greatest gift and the most power we have is we cannot delete the voice it is there and this is another expectation i think oh i became aware of it it'll go away immediately no it won't these are neurobiological pathways i talk about this in in the new book right these are wired into us for now the most empowering choice we can make though is removing our focus from attention not the second we notice ourselves going down that shame cycle refocusing our attention somewhere anywhere else back on the body like we just talked mm. about and then i would 100% not only suggest emphasize the importance of building in small, consistent, manageable, what I call daily promises or those intentions, new practices. Because back to the nervous system, while it's understandable, especially if you do notice you're a ball of tension and you're suffering as a result of it, of course you want to reframe your life starting tomorrow, right? Adjust it from top to bottom, overhaul everything, because our logical mind is like, oh, that'll quickly, more quickly get me to the relief that I so desperately need. So I also want to honor and invite us not to shame ourselves. If you do have a moment of, well, oh, sorry, tomorrow I've just over, overhauled my life, right? Of course, naturally, logically, that's what your mind will do. Though working with the nervous system, who's going to be stressed, the further you go out of those familiar habits, resistance will come. You'll start to shame yourself in your mind, tell yourself it's not working, or more so, you'll start to be more attentive to, all of the overwhelming feelings in your body and you won't have the tools to navigate it. So before long, you will be right back in those old habitual patterns because that's the only way you know how to keep yourself safe. So in my membership, Self Healer Circle, we have a concept every month, whatever course we're working on, there's a practice that's broken down into what I call a small daily promise. The most small manageable way whether it's through intentional breathing, if you did notice when you checked in with your breathing that it was, you're holding your breath or it was really quick, right? Learning how to breathe calmly and deeply from your belly might mean taking five deep belly breaths, maybe even laying down because I know for me, my breath went hand in hand with all of the tension in my muscles in my midsection. I actually couldn't. Get a deep belly breath out of me, unless I was laying down and it was a very forced experience because I had so much tension. My shoulders were so hunched over, I couldn't do it. So, that five deep belly breaths could be a start for the breathing. If you're tuning into your muscles and you're like, gosh, I'm tense everywhere, it might be slow, gentle stretching, five minutes. I built in a, I would, I'm a big fan of, I don't know, YouTube. I love YouTube University, as I call it, and someone called Yoga with Adrian. I cannot recommend her more. It was the most approachable, small, 10 to 15, sometimes minute practices for like truly beginners in yoga-based stretching. Of course, yoga might not be the way you go. It might just be bending over, touching your toes or, you know, uh, turning your midsection if you have a lot of tension like I do around your trunk area. And it can be as small as a couple minutes or other versions of movement right? Instead of park a little farther away, if you drive to work and walk a little bit more, right? So if you're noticing the tension in your muscles, you can intentionally begin to release it through movement, through stretching. So again, small though practices is what we're talking about because the farther out of that familiar zone we go, the more we're going to stress our body out and increase the likelihood that we're right back in those old habits.
1: Yeah, I I love that. And I think, It just gives people a little bit more peace to know that it's manageable steps that you can add into your day. And like you said, of course, you want to change immediately. But to have that real change, it's got to start slow and be consistent. I want to talk about how you focus a lot on relationships in this next book. But it kind of goes into what we are are talking about because a lot of, like I said, We both said we both like to read and I've read a lot of relationship books and in some form or fashion, they usually say that to heal your relationship, we must change ourselves to better meet the other person in the relationship's needs and vice versa. But you challenge that. What is, why do you challenge that theory and what do you offer in, um, That might be a a different way to approach this.
0: I think, well, let's start first and foremost with the way we learn how to relate to others or the way we relate to others is ultimately the way we've learned to relate to ourselves and others in our earliest relationships. Mm -hmm. And the large majority of us who didn't have that secure, consistent safety in our childhood have likely adapted or modified ourself to continue to maintain those connections that we needed. We suppressed our, our thoughts, our perspectives, much like I did. Some of us might suppress some of our feelings, if not all of our feelings. Maybe we were told, right, don't be vulnerable, don't be weak, don't cry. Anger has no place in this home. Um, for a lot more of us, it's our actual self-expression where our natural gifts and talents, we might not have had parents who, again, very well intentionally projected themselves onto us because we look similar because we act similar they're not curious about who we actually are or maybe they for a very well-intentioned financial purposes right we're looking to our future and we're like oh no you can't be or express that or that's not your actual skill or that won't translate to work later in life or for whatever reason we learned to modify ourselves, and then we learned and took on what I call in the book conditioned selves or particular ways that we've learned to show up in our relationships to maintain those connections, right? Whether we're the caretaker of someone, or I very much relate to what I call the overachiever conditioned self archetype, the person who has no wants, no needs in a relationship. I'm just, I'm here. I'm fine. I'm always just focused on achievement. And then we find ourselves in to the similar dynamics with particular other people. Which often again is more of a representation of these adaptations where when we don't feel good, as I didn't for many relationships, my number one complaint would always be at some point down the relationship line, I would begin to voice I don't feel emotionally connected. And of course I would attribute the problem to you, whoever the partner was at the time. You're not meeting my emotional needs. You're not connecting with me in the way that I want. This isn't working out. And inevitably the relationship would end. And I would continue on to look for a more perfect partner who could emotionally connect with me, right? So I'm in some way lodging complaints, asking them to modify, you just be different to meet my emotional needs. Not only was I continuing to ask, right, for someone else to possibly change or be someone who they weren't, much like they might have had to be in childhood, I came to realize the role I was playing, in that state of emotional disconnection like you and I have been talking about. If I'm disconnected a million miles away on my spaceship, if I'm priding myself almost in being a person who doesn't have needs because having needs and expressing that type of vulnerability when I didn't have that consistent experience emotionally in my childhood is so unfamiliar, so threatening. If I were to show or express what I'm truly thinking or feeling, that's just too overwhelming. So of course I was not emotionally connected because the reality of it was I wasn't emotionally connected to me yet. I was pointing the finger outward requiring someone else to be different, to give me a feeling that I wasn't ever going to be able to receive or to register. So using that, it just as one illustration of all the different ways that we look outward for the perfect person who won't, who will fill the hole or who I won't feel like this with or, if you just be somehow different, and what I've come to realize is what many of us are even defining as love, as connection, as even relationship is more based on what, what had to be at one time and all of the ways, right, that we've had to adapt. So what I'm now learning, not only logically, but trying to put into action daily is what I believe the true definition of what love is, and this goes along the line with not asking for someone to necessarily be any kind of way. Love is a grounded state of safety and security and presence and self-expression where I'm me, right? And I allow you the safety and the security to be you. I'm curious about your differing perspectives, your different emotions, right? Your different wants and needs. And doesn't mean to say that we don't communicate. It absolutely doesn't mean to say that we don't have moments of conflict or disagreement where we need to negotiate, that's absolutely part of a relationship, though that, in my opinion, is different than the tactic most of us take, where we say, be different so I can feel different.
1: Mm. Oh, you just said so many good things there. And it it makes me think there, are you saying there may be truth to, you know how a lot of people will be like, oh my gosh, I married my dad, or uh, I, I'm marrying someone just like my mom. Do we Does that happen a lot when we haven't really healed or uncovered some of those mm, cycles
0: or patterns of how we perceived love we take on I mean we the modeling that happens in our early childhood whether the parent was present or not I mean we are we're taking that on so Mm -hmm. I think you know again to really globalize it I think there's so many ways we become a particular or we take on attributes of a particular parent based on what was modeled to us what they said or did around us and we saw right because that's going to be more impactful than what they said to do don't do as i do even we're going to do as as they do because we're going to see and what we experienced within their relationship again even in parents that have physically left the relationship or have left the home so i think yes we do take on this is the concept of, of the book is these conditioned selves are born out of those earliest relationships. And a lot of times they then mirror. We wake up as an adult and we're like, oh my God, not only did I become my mom, dad, or whomever, I'm now dating or married to, right? My mom, dad, or whomever. I mean, there is that because it goes back to that concept of the familiar, the familiar cycles, the familiar dynamics. The subtitle of my book is even Break Cycles. Mm-hmm. Because again, I want to continue to. to de-shame not only demystify but de-shame if you are listening you're like oh gosh I am my parent or I'm with my parent that's natural right the reality of it is what I'm even saying you know the way we define love none of us are really taught right not sometimes when I even these things aren't even spoken about relationships feelings I mean I largely grew up in a home if it wasn't something we're stressed out about we didn't talk about it yeah right so how am I supposed to know how to relate emotionally? to another individual. I never saw anyone do it. And so we do come as a as like humans prepackaged like we should just know these things, how to relate to other people because we're relational beings and the reality of it is we don't. So, I just
1: got engaged a few months ago. I realized that where some of my friction and fear was coming from is there was a part of me, which I you talk about this a lot in your book, that almost resented Adam for being able to love all of me because I didn't know how to love all of me myself. So he had, he could do something, had something that I wanted, but I don't know how to get. So having to go down to that, like asking that really should be a simple question to answer, but like, what is love is where I've had to to start from, a base. And I think it's like you said, it was just never really, not only like talked about, but shown in my life. So how do I know how, how do I change that? How do I become this? How do I break the cycle? And how do I even see what the cycle is. I think I've gotten to the point where I can see my cycle, but it's how to become that cycle breaker. I would love if you could kind of go into like, what does that actually mean? And how can you choose to do that?
0: So even just thank you, Anna, for gifting us with your example, to use your example, right? To love all of you mm-hmm. is based in a couple steps have to come before getting to love all of you. And the first step would be to be present to all of you, right? To actually turn that focus as we've been talking to about, of attention to all aspects of you, of your being, of your emotional world, right? All of the crap, like we kind of defined it as in the beginning that we've wanted to turn away from, right? Self-love, you know, as I think is very commonly thrown around now, it's not just to embrace ourselves with like happy things, right? Or to like tune into joyful moments or, go take ourselves on you know excursions that make us feel good it actually is grounded in that first foundational act of being present to all of us so that then we can be compassionate to all of us which is an embodied feeling right allowing not only it to be what it is but not to shame it not to minimize it to hold it in that compassionate understanding and this is Often, again, why I talk about the neurophysiological, you know, kind of underlying markers of all these adaptations, because I think for some of us, we can relieve, not the critical voice of shame, though, relieve over time the feeling of, oh, well, something's wrong with me because I have this bad, uncomfortable stuff, right? So absolutely not. If I can understand where this stuff came from, I might be able to embody that compassion. And then when I get to that final step of love it's not just saying affirmations or it's not just like you with your fiance adam saying well he loves me so i should love me i should love me right it's actually living in action Mm -hmm.
1: of love
0: which again almost goes full circle which means being action in the action of your daily presence with yourself in the physical body that you have with all of its physical needs then in your emotional body tending compassionately to however it is you feel with whatever it is that's going on not to shame yourself maybe as You've once learned to do around certain emotions, if not all of them, and then to live in action of those small steps, consistent steps each and every day.
1: When you say live in action, say, like me, other people are, are on this journey, but have relationships that they're in that fortunately are safe and secure. Maybe right now, it's hard to sometimes accept that, but how do you maintain those relationships and how can you um, have communicate with those people in your life? I would,
0: again, acknowledge that safety and the se- security doesn't mean an absence of conflict. Conflict mm-hmm. is a part yeah. of a safe and secure relationship. And again, I think a lot of us, very few of us learned how to engage in healthy conflict and differing of opinions, perspectives, and more what you're talking about right now, how to needs in any given moment. I need to be alone, even though I have a partner who might need something else, right? Those are moments of disagreement or differing, conflictual needs states, want states, desires. Um, and so I, I just wanted to be clear that safety and security isn't just somewhere that we, you know, arrive to and all of those things, disagreement, differing needs, conflict goes away. That's a natural part of navigating life with different humans, whether it's the romantic partner we've chosen, our family, our friends, our professional colleagues, or whomever. There are going to be those moments. So it's understanding, again, ourself, knowing what we want and need in any given moment, what our perspectives are, how we're feeling, opening ourselves up to share those feelings and to receive support, being able then to offer Support and space for someone else when they have wants or needs in any direction in any given moment And then most importantly how to repair or reconnect? after inevitable moments of disagreement or of conflict not to just have the expectation that they don't happen to learn how to Navigate the shifts in our nervous system that inevitably will happen when we're at odds with someone Especially that we love and care and are connected to when we're in disagreement or conflict our nervous system now gets involved So I imagine and hope by this point of the conversation, you're kind of filling in the tape of what will happen next, the habitual thing you always did, Mm -hmm. right? Screaming, yelling, detaching, dissociating, disconnecting, distracting yourself, right? You're back right down that neurobiological pathway. And this is why we can become very hurtful, even to those we love the most in those moments of conflict because we are so stuck in survival mode, we're saying and we're doing things or we're disconnecting and icing people that we don't want to be disconnected from in those moments. But again, our nervous system is relying on the only thing it knows how. So the more we're aware of everything that we've been talking about, right, and we build in these beautiful moments to attune to ourselves, our wants, our needs, get curious, explore them, develop some new tools to regulate, and we remove the expectation that conflict doesn't happen because it will, because what's more indicative or, or what will predict the safety and the security of a relationship more than avoiding conflict is what happens next. Can you remain or return to a grounded state of presence, grounded in your own perspective about whatever it is that happened, and then most importantly, open and curious to hearing someone else's, right? Your partner, your loved one, your family. And can you come together then afterward and have those moments of reconnection so sometimes that means on our journey we do want space right can i tolerate taking the space that i want and need communicating when i want and need space am i around relationships that can tolerate that can i tolerate people taking space for me or having different needs in a given moment and our life looking different or us doing separate things and those just come so readily off the bat because those are things that i very much struggled with
1: space Mm -hmm. brought me
0: right back to childhood where my mom wasn't speaking to me, where it meant I did something wrong or I disappointed. So having a partner request space, I was never gonna be the one to request space because I never thought I needed it. When in reality, every individual needs moments of solitude or aloneness, even us in partnerships to energetically replenish ourselves. Anytime someone else would suggest space, I was I would go right back into fear. Well, space means the relationship's over you don't love me something bad's happening you're mad at me and everything in between similarly in a family that operated like a collective we all thought the same way we all cycled in the same stress cycles we were very predictable in terms of we ate the meal at the same time we all ate the same thing i really have had to learn how to carve out differing needs in a, in a given moment i might need to rest and my partner might want to go for a walk and that's okay <laughs> I might want something else for dinner. I mean, these might sound really silly to some people and my partner might want to eat something different and that's okay too. But again, all of this conditioning is just so present that I do believe it impacts, um, our ability to create that individual space, even when we're in partnership, which again, in my opinion, as I make the case for in terms of our nervous system, it's necessary. Because mm-hmm. to be truly interdependent means that we don't lose ourselves or defer to someone else and their wants and needs or modify ourselves like we were talking about earlier. It means we're so safe and secure in our own self-expression that we can gift that to someone else even in moments of conflict and we can come back and reconnect and try to understand from their perspective how they were feeling, what they want, what they need, negotiate then what happens next next time. That's actually a true interdependent relationship.
1: What are trauma bonds, and how do you know that you're in a trauma bond within your relationship?
0: So what we've been talking about while I haven't officially given given it that language, the dysfunctional habits and patterns that we learned in childhood, and again, there are many. Um they are quite individual to our you know unique circumstances, or so there can be somewhat of similarity, right? i'm I'm always anxious in my relationships. I'm always disconnected in my relationships. I have these dysfunctional habits around conflict where it becomes explosive or I'm avoiding around conflict. Um, they are our trauma bond patterns. And I'm of the belief, again, going back to what we kind of referenced earlier, that most of us are carrying some version of unmet need from childhood, of adaptation from childhood. So while it's not to say that and even my current relationship with Lolly began with a lot of trauma bond patterning and a lot of dysfunctional habits that she and I both brought from our individual past that we cycled in together you know in these moments of reactivity of conflict of disconnection so it's not to say that when you identify as many of us will that there are some trauma bond patterns or cycles or habits in our relationship that it's doomed absolutely not again going back to that awareness and that action that just means that we have now new habits that we can become aware of or old patterns, I should say first, that we become aware of and then some new habits that we can begin to create. And again, if we continue to keep, because I think so naturally when we decide, oh my gosh, there's some trauma bond patterning or some cycles of dysfunctional cycles that are happening and whatever relationship with it, my romantic partner, my, my mom, my dad, my family member, my friend, whoever it is, very natural to say, okay, well, this is what I need you to do different, so that this pattern stops. Um, and again, I am always of the belief that a, we cannot the the knowing this is more than a belief that we cannot change someone else um, and their behavior. As we've even just been talking about, the journey of change is hard. It's grueling. It's coming in contact with a lot of aspects of ourself and remaining committed in small daily ways to create change. We can't. We can wish it for someone though we can't make them do it. So if and when, and the beginning of the book actually kind of starts out with this concept of, you know, I'm playing a role, kind of that self-identification, self-responsibility in the reality that many of us are going to see dysfunctional cycles within our relationships that we're not going to shame. They've all been adaptive, though I'm going to empower myself, and I hope all of you listening yourselves as individuals, to not just point that finger outward. Yes, of course, dynamics can change. You can learn how to communicate and do all of the different beautiful things we've talked about, though you cannot change someone else. What you can do, though, is begin to focus on what you can do different to begin to break some of these patterns in your own life by, again, becoming conscious of what they are and by remaining committed, which likely will involve your body and your nervous system and teaching yourself how to tolerate moments of discomfort disagreement and all of the different things that I think are often part of these dysfunctional cycles
1: I've learned a little bit about attachment styles lately first could you kind of talk about what are these attachment styles but how can they manifest in our relationship
0: so again in childhood um, the care consistent or inconsistent the point of connection that we learned in those early environments depending on who was present how they were present to us becomes our model the way we gravitate toward the way we show up and the way we almost expect others to show up within our relationship so of course safe and secure is what we've been talking about right being grounded. who is safe and secure I've yet i have to meet someone Hannah. <laughs> okay. i'm waiting i'm waiting for the day okay, where good. i meet that <laughs> unicorn i i we can all become it though It's important to mention yes. here these are flexible they're on a spectrum some people might even see themselves in more than one attachment style maybe within different relationship types we get to see certain aspects of this so again as all things in my opinion at least we're not kind of doomed to be one forever we're often not just checking one box and not multiple so yet to meet a safe and secure though we can all rewire everything we've been talking about and create that possibility Um, other versions are what was called anxious attachment right always feeling on edge always worrying about that point of connection really struggling to tolerate distance in a relationship kind of like i described earlier the person who is always chasing Um, Then there is an avoidant, the more shut down, closed off from emotional connection, might even distance themselves, not pursue relationships at all, or again, not emotionally invest, go through the motions, keep it surface, keep it sexual. When someone wants it, something deeper, right, that feels unsafe, I'm out of it. Then I really relate to a more merge of the two, an anxious avoidant, where there's a little bit of both. For me, it was very confusing because while distance felt uncomfortable and I would try to close the gap, ask someone if they're okay. Why aren't you talking to me? There was then a movement away anytime it was any emotional depth or connection. Like I shared my number one complaint, I'm not emotionally connected because I really struggled to be emotionally connected with myself and therefore with others. Um, And then there's a disorganized type where it's a much more of a Kind of almost feels like a roller coaster. We can feel super invested in one minute, question it in another minute, be highly reactive in a third minute, be really shut down um, in another minute. It's almost kind of a merge of all of those types. And again, they're born out of the earliest way that people cared for us, our needs, how consistently present they were, how attuned they were, knowing that we had a need, physical or emotional, and how able they were to soothe us. And then they become, again, the typical pattern that we tend to repeat unless we become conscious and change it.
1: Well, I just want to say thank you for this conversation, but also thank you for what you're doing for so many, because you have this, obviously, all this knowledge and from your background as a psychologist, but you also offer that vulnerability of sharing where you are too, because it can seem sometimes I know I've met with psychiatrists, psychologists, therapists, all these people. And you're like, it can feel like there's like this space between where I, what I should know, what I should be and where I am. And what you offer is you have this dodge and this way to break it down. But you go this one step forward of I'm on this, this journey too. And here, and here is, here's where I'm at. Here's where I want to be. And here's where I'm going. I think it's just something that we that you're just helping so many people and myself included. So I just wanted to offer you my gratitude for that. Seriously. Um it means so much. And I wanted um to then talk about a little bit about where people can find this new book, when it's going to be out, and any other closing thoughts you have.
0: Well, thank you, Hannah, for your extremely kind and supportive words. Um that sharing of myself, like I said at the beginning was such an inspiration on even beginning this journey. And I by no means am anywhere near that elusive state of doneness. I don't think it exists. So I will continue to share <laughs> myself and my continued evolution as I continue forward. And I'm so grateful that it's been a benefit to you. I'm so grateful for you and the platform and the way that you use um, the platform that you have to so honestly speak from your own heart, from your own journey, The gift that you're giving the community and the collective is so great. And of course, everyone listening, I like to celebrate anyone who tunes into these conversations, to challenge, to feel fear, to feel all of the things um, in service of their own evolution. It is so something to be celebrated. In terms of the book, uh, the book is currently on pre-order. It publishes on November 28th. It should be anywhere you like to purchase books. I'm hoping most book retailers We'll have a few copies stocked. I did have a new website built, how to be the love you Seek.com, that highlights some book retailers. So you can check that out. Um, you can also check out my website, the holistic psychologist.com for any other information on the two other books. The self healer circle is of course on there as well. And then all across all of the social media platforms at this point, there is some presence of the holistic psychologist. Of course, it began on the Instagram account though. We're across YouTube now and TikTok and Twitter and Threads. So however it is that you like to, c- to consume content, I welcome you to join the incredible community. We're talking about this stuff day in and day out. And we have so many beautiful members from around the world who are so vulnerable. I mean, in my opinion, the comment section of all of the inst- uh, social media world is so very healing in and of itself. So ch- mm-hmm. come join us and this movement.
1: Well, thank you again, Dr. Nicola Pera, for helping us get a little, little bit better and heal along the way. So, um, I hope this was all really helpful for you guys and it encourages you to go on the journey with us. Thank you guys so much for listening to the episode. Better Tomorrow is produced by me, Hannah Brown and Lagos Creative. Our producer is Andrew Stalmer. Our show is recorded, engineered and edited by the Lagos Creative team. Remember to follow Better Tomorrow wherever you get your podcast so you don't miss the next episode. And don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps and shows your support. You can follow me on socials at Hannah Brown, and you can stay updated on all things Better Tomorrow on our Instagram at Better Tomorrow and our TikTok Better Tomorrow podcast. In order to support our show, we need the help of some great advertisers, and we want to make sure those advertisers are ones you'll actually want to hear about, but we need to learn a little bit more about you to make that possible. So go to podsurvey.com slash B and take a quick anonymous survey that will help us get to know you better. That way we can bring the advertisers you won't want to skip. Once you've completed the quick survey, you can enter for a chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card. Terms and conditions apply. Again, that's podsurvey.com slash H-A-N-N-A-H-B. Thanks for your help.